Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Good morning and welcome along to the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. I'm your host, Frankie Mackay, and please, my apologies for my nasal tones this morning. A touch under the weather, but of course, nowhere I would rather be than here talking all things Canterbury sport. Producer Jacob, well, he's back on deck this week as well to keep things running nice and smoothly. A jam-packed show this morning, and, and there's been so much happening since last week when I was sat here in this chair. The rugby chatter last week was with the Canterbury region whether we could take out all three finals. Well, that was maybe... Maybe we got a little bit excited on that one because, unfortunately, Canterbury got tipped up by Wellington. Mid-Canterbury went down to East Coast, and it was just South Canterbury left flying the flag. They took out the Meads Cup with a 47-36 win over Whanganui. A massive congrats to coach Nigel Walsh and his side. We were lucky enough to, to catch up with Nigel ahead of last week. Uh, I don't want to blow my own horn, but maybe we were the lucky charm there, perhaps. He spoke about wanting to play a really attacking, running rugby uh, game in that final. He didn't want to go away from what they'd been doing, and, and looking at that scoreline, 47-36, to 36, he couldn't ask for a better final than that. Uh, there was a massive crowd down at Pleasant Point as well, showing that all the locals came out and supported, which is what we love to see. Well, there's been plenty of cricket action going on. There's the World Cup, but of course the Plunkett Shield, that's back in action Canterbury started off with uh, a draw to start their season off when they headed up to Nelson to play Central there, but they've just come off a massive win against Wellington. Just the 290 runs in it, uh, basically Wellington have had an absolute shock at the wicket. It looked like they were playing on the outfield. Uh, They were bowled out for 80 in their first innings and 87 in their second. Meanwhile, we are celebrating the fact that Tom Latham brought up yet another 100, a magnificent 143 in Canterbury's second innings. So, yep, the Cantabs, they've gone up to Wellington. They've headed to the basin and absolutely pasted the, the Wellington side. So a tough start to Wellington, but we will enjoy that massive outright and the lads will enjoy the chance to put their feet up for a, for an extra day. The bowlers ran right, so they've well and, tru- and truly enjoyed a day that I'm sure it'll uh, probably be spent on the golf course knowing those lads. There's three World Cups going on at the moment too. The T20 World Cup has been absolutely brilliant. Of course I say that as a Black Caps fan. They started with a real bang against Australia and broke the hoodoo. It's been 11 years since a win in Australia and they were incredible. But look, there's still work to do in an incredibly tight World Cup. They take on Sri Lanka tonight, chasing a win to keep them top of their pool. The Kiwis, well, they're playing solidly in the Rugby League World Cup. In about 30 minutes' time, they take on Ireland in the last round-robin match before it's time for knockout stages. So they'll be hoping to continue the way they've been playing there. And the Black Caps, uh, the Black Caps, not the Black Caps, the Black Ferns, they're playing at home. They keep marching on. They were big winners, 57-0 over Scotland, setting up tonight's quarterfinal against the Welsh. We'll have a look at that a little bit later on. And yes, I will mention the scheduling as well. That's been a big, big talking point around exactly what that looks like and how New Zealand rugby has uh, seemingly yet again dropped the ball 
yes, it's disappointing. Yes, we've seen an apology that didn't actually have the words I'm sorry in it, but that's okay. We will move on. They're 7.30 uh, tonight, so tune into that one and cheer them on. It's not the only women's sport going on either at the moment. New Zealand uh, Women's National League for football, that's in full swing. About 7.30 this morning, we'll catch up with head coach Alana Gunn to talk about their season, and we will keep you updated with what's going on around the grounds in Canterbury, We've got Frankie's Five. That continues with a cricket theme this week. I've been loving the T20 World Cup and how it just seems to be so open. There's upsets galore. I mean, the West Indies didn't even make it into the the final 12. So for me, this this week, it's going to be Frankie's Five with T20 upsets. I'm really looking forward to that one. And we'll finish off with the panel where we put the world to rights and discuss the hot topics of the week, including the Crusaders naming, schoolboys rugby, a little bit of All Blacks, and of course, the Cricket World Cup. Right, so it's a massive show this week, and we're going to get it started a little bit different this week. We're going to get it started with our rugby update, so we will get uh, straight into that. Our first chat of the morning, we're going to kick it off with some rugby chat. It will be uh, Farah Palmer, Canterbury Farah Palmer coach Blair Baxter. He's going to preview that Black Ferns quarterfinal. This Canterbury Rugby update brought to you by Kevlar Holmes, proud partner of Canterbury Rugby. Joining me today to preview the Black Caps, oh, the Black Caps, the Black Ferns uh, quarterfinal, it's Canterbury Farah Palmer Cup head coach Blair Baxter. Blair, thanks so much for your time and, and welcome to the show. Yeah, no, I appreciate the call. Now, I, I will start with a slight negative, which isn't what I love to do, but scheduling clash for a home World Cup quarterfinal. And an All Blacks match. Pretty disappointing, but an apology from New Zealand Rugby. Does that just deal with it and put it to bed now? Oh, gosh. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it's obviously an oversight. Uh, I know what game are we watching, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I've got uh, been fortunate enough to coach uh, or work alongside a few girls that are they're playing in that squad, so I'm, I'm, I'm glued to the TV and watching that quarterfinal. Yeah, I'm I'm the same as you, absolutely. And it's just it's been a bit frustrating for the players to have to talk about it in the build up to, to such a big game. But how have you seen their performance? How how have you judged their performances so far this World Cup? Yeah, I think uh, it's all it's it's no secret that Wayne Smith and Co are really trying to play a super exciting brand, high paced, um, with fit athletes that are good, well skilled under pressure. So. Uh, I guess that pressure thing's important, though I don't think they've had a lot of pressure outside of the first 20 minutes in the opening match against Australia. So uh, will they get it on Saturday against Wales? Mm, maybe not. But definitely the following week they're gonna, it's going to be a different uh, kettle of fish. I think probably Whit Henson and Chrono would have been working really hard. They know the teams that are, that are coming are very good at set-piece and, and there's clear shown some weaknesses um, over the last 18 months in that space but I know they're great people and great coaches so they'll be doing everything they can to get our girls ready. Yeah and is that really what we're, we're aiming to get out of this match with Wales is is that forward pack fronting up, is those set pieces going well because what are we really expecting from the Welsh? Is it the same as, as last time? Are they going to turn up with the same game plan or, or do you think maybe they've got something in the back pocket for a, for a quarter final? Hmm I think they'll just try and play to their strengths and we saw their scrum was very good last time but the pack that they've come up against this week is not the same and, and I'm super stoked to see the, the Canterbury Farah Palmer Cup 
front row together because they've played a lot of games together and, and I think just having that cohesion is going to be really important for the Ferns. So I think when you come to finals footy, you've always got to have a little secret play as well. So that I think there'll be subtle change, but I don't think they've got much more than what they've given. Yeah, I was going to say, an all Canterbury front row, like that's that's got to make a coach happy. Five Cantabs in the pack as well. Uh, are you pleased with how the, the Canterbury women have been trucking in this Black Ferns team? Yeah, it's been a great. Uh, it's been great to watch them all year. To be fair, and like the Bremner girls who may have perceived to be written off and not being physical uh, last year, God, they're, they're two different women from what we've seen. Like Chelsea's been outstanding in all forms of contact this year. She, she's actually really loving it um, and seeing a different side to them. So yeah, couldn't be prouder than watching or well, any of any of our girls um, pull on that black jersey. That, those five in the pack are doing a great job. Do you think, barring injury, injury aside, that this is their number one lineup? When when you look at the the team they're putting out on the park this weekend, is this the team we're going to continue to see going forward? Do you think? I I, I suspect that the large portion of that group will will play in the next two finals should they make it. Uh, I have. Uh, Back three, not having a huge kicking game, they might look to might look to rethink that. Uh, but yeah, I'm unsure. I, I don't think there'll be too much changing. So they'll be looking to get some good time together, some cohesion. They've got the star-studded backline in regards to sevens athletes. So yeah, if, if they can pull off their high-tempo game, um, keeping the ball alive, beautiful transitions, and scoring long-range tries, then the backline's there to do it long as the Ford pack can lay that platform. Yeah, well, it's good to watch, isn't it? They're, they're a fantastic team to, to sit down and watch play footy. But Kennedy Simon back into the lineup as well. What does she bring to the side? Yeah, Kennedy's a, she's a super athlete. My goodness. Uh, she brings a massive point of difference. And I, I suspect they get through Wales on Saturday. She'll start next week, returning from injury. She's explosive. She's powerful. She, yeah, she's a... And, and she's got a lot of mana, um, just even her, her presence when you sit down and have a coffee with her, she's she's a cool person. She's going to add heaps. Yeah, and so we're looking at those quarterfinal matchups. Obviously, New Zealand taking on Wales Saturday night seven thirty, but it's France taking on Italy, England taking on Australia, Canada taking on USA. Are these? Is there the potential that all of these games could actually be pretty pretty one sided heading into top four? Uh, I think if you're looking at current form, you could say yes. Uh, there is different levels uh, in the women's game, and, and as the game continues to grow, they'll get closer and closer. But uh, I, I suspect the favourites will go through to the semi-final, and that's when the, when when you see uh, some real titanic test matches, a bit like what we saw when uh, France played England and Paul play. Mm. Yeah, and who, who stood out for you so far? So Black Ferns, who becomes really key in this lineup come finals time? Wow, that's a that's a superb question. They've mixed their team around a lot. I think, I think what what's gonna the point of difference will be the team that has the, the best impact off the bench. Uh, we saw, uh, I think, Crystal Murray or Mother come off, come. Off, I think it was Wales. She played and she added some great energy. She's just got an amazing skill set that can do it for twenty minutes and does it really well. Yeah, so I think the bench will be critical moving forward. 
Um, but uh, I can't go. You know, I'm clearly biased towards our Canterbury girls, and, and I just think uh, that cohesion is going to really help that set piece. But, uh, yeah, nothing wrong. wrong with that. Eight. Nothing wrong with yeah. that. Like we're we're a, we're a Canterbury sports show. We want to talk about those those Canterbury <laughs> women who are who are dominating. That's why we've got you on to to big them up and sing their praises before they walk over that that uh, Welsh pack. That's that's what we're all about. Uh, yeah, I know. The, the cut of, uh, Amy Rule and Georgia Ponsonby. Uh, they're they're pretty cool people. I know they've been um, wishing each other sweet dreams and dreaming about um, scrummaging so that's how tight some of them are. <laughs> Love to hear it, that's brilliant. Now I guess there's a lot of excitement with this this Black Ferns lineup, and, and I guess the big question it's coming down to, we see the way that, that England and France in particular play, it's really defensively based, it's based around the set piece, strong kicking game can flair can a bit of that you know, backyard footy, can that overcome Muscle and the rolling more. Well, I, I know how hard they've been working for the all year with Chrono and Scott Hanson there to stop them all and I'll just be better at it. And I, I've seen subtle improvements, and I reckon they'll get them in the right headspace that they'll be able to combat that uh, as they move forward. However, the thing that excited me on opening weekend when I watched Fiji play France. Uh, Fiji play England because I thought England were because they are so good at um, set piece and structure. But Fiji found space, uh, which which really excited me around the way the Black Friends are playing and that unstructured play. And if they can um, just just compete at set piece, then uh, they've got the ability across the park to to beat any team. So that's I suppose my only concern is um, the ability to compete. Maintain momentum to give them the best yeah. shot. Yeah, just got to get themselves into the contest. That's what we want to see. But Blair, thanks so much for giving us your time and your thoughts today. We we really appreciate it. Oh, no worries. Go. Thanks for having me. Well, that was Canterbury Farah Palmer Cup coach Blair Baxter with his thoughts ahead of the Black Ferns quarterfinal match tonight. 7.30 against Wales and that was your Canterbury Rugby update brought to you by Kevlar Holmes helping build the future of Canterbury Rugby. Kevlar Holmes, proud partner of Canterbury Rugby. Quick break here and we will be back with what's on in Canterbury and everyone's favourite, Frankie's Five. Well, time to talk football now and it's my pleasure to welcome Canterbury Pride head coach Alana Gunn to the show. Alana, welcome and, and thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks Frankie. Now, it's about the halfway stage in the competition for the Pride. What what kind of mark out of 10 are you giving your side so far? <laughs> Maybe about a 5. About a 5 out of 10 <laughs> so far this year. Yeah, uh, it's, been a, it's been a bit of a mixed result um, for, for your side so far. Two wins, one draw, four losses. But how do you feel like you're starting to get a little bit of momentum building in this season? Maybe not momentum, but I think our performances are starting to get um, momentum. So not momentum in our results, but um, yeah, we're starting to, I guess, get a little bit more togetherness in, in how we're playing. Um, unfortunately, you know, football's about goals and scoring them, and we're struggling to do that at the top end. But um, we definitely have cleaned up a little bit of our defensive template and, um, yeah, defending a lot better. So, yeah, we're progressing, um, that's for sure. Um, but, yeah, still a, a little bit off on the results. Yeah, how's the week been after two games and a little bit of travel thrown in there as well last weekend just to just to make it a little bit harder? Have you managed a full training week this week and, and what does that kind of look like between games? 
Yeah, the weekend was tough. Um, you know, home and away against Southern is always tough. And um, only coming away with one point was, you know, mm-hmm. it was a pretty sombering Monday. Um, we actually had a couple of days off and um, we just altered our training week a little bit. So um, just a couple of alternative nights and a couple of days off. So, um, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to playing Capital. Um, and I think we've got a bit through today. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, taking on Capital, 2.30pm in Petone. What kind of game are you expecting? What's what's this Capital team like? Yeah, I think we're probably in similar um, situations where we're potentially, if you compare it to previous years, we're underperforming. Um, we haven't had access to, I guess, potentially some players that, that we have in the past and um, are, are both looking to put out a performance to get a result. So I think we'll be evenly matched. I think... Um, We'll, we'll be both gunning to get three points, that's sure. Um, we both like taking our points off each other. Um, you know, the staff are friendly and the, and the players know each other. So, um, yeah, it'll be an entertaining match. And it might sound silly. I mean, I'm going to say, what are you hoping to see from your side in this matchup? I mean, yeah, we want to see goals. You want to see a win. But, but what are some <laughs> things you want to see from your side? Yeah, look, I think um, individually we've been working really hard to improve on some, some IPP stuff. So 1v1 defending, um, we've got some you know big wins to take out take out in those stats. Um, 100% we want to see goals. Um, we'll be lacking them. Um, but I think the part before the goals and you know getting ourselves into the attacking third well um, and um, whether it be in transitional position and um, getting those skills and goal-scoring positions, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, look, there's been some good stuff going on throughout the season, though. Have there been some players that have really stood out for you? Um, Kate Lloyd was having a fantastic season. Unfortunately, she did her ACL a couple of weekends ago, um, playing Auckland United. You know, she was she was playing some fantastic football, so she's been a massive loss. Um, but my standout so far has been Lara Walsh. She's played um, left back for us consistently. Um, she's in, you know attacking out there. She's exciting to watch. She's powerful. Um, she really does bring it all. Um, yeah, she's been outstanding this season. Been really, really impressed and proud of um, her performances to date. Yeah, you mentioned Kate Loy, and and she was someone I, I definitely noted down. She's been playing some some exceptional football, and she's one of your your most experienced players going around in the side as well. How's she personally going? It's it's obviously pretty devastating news with the ACL, and and how do you look to replace someone of of her caliber? Yeah, she's a pretty unique um, type of player, um, so you kind of don't look to replace her, but potentially you know shift some things around to I guess fill the void that you know she lacks. She's she's really creative. She's hard to read. Um, she she runs and runs. You know she covers some ground in the pitch uh, in, in ninety minutes. Um, but yeah, she's massive loss. Um, she's doing really well. She's someone that really thrives off um, exercise. So you know an ACL is a pretty tough. Um, rehab, um, which she's, you know, she started. Um, fortunately for her, it was a really clean ACL, so she's actually managed to get herself into surgery already and, and start that process. So, you know, she's in and around the group still. She's been fantastic off the pitch um, as much as she is on the pitch, but, um, yeah, definitely not one we look to replace, but, but potentially um, just fill that void. Yeah, just adjust a little bit around it. Now, the, the competition at the moment, you, you play two full rounds against each other, but the top two teams, they're really running away with the competition. We're used to seeing the pride near the top of the table as well. Winners, I think it was 2018, 19, 2020. What is it that those yeah. teams at the top of the table are just doing so well this season? Yeah, it's a new it's a new season. It's back to two rounds. We haven't been at two rounds, um, I think, since 2018. 
Um, and our club sides, so it's the first year that we've had club sides in the competition. So New Zealand football emerging um, all national leagues into a club-based national league, and this is the first step with um, four Auckland-based teams. And um, you can see the advantage that the four Auckland teams have had, um, obviously having a whole winter season together. So I think that that's what it has been in the earlier rounds. Um, you know, their, their playing style is really clear. They've got some great... Um, rotation within their units and and they're really established so I think that's been the difference um, between the I guess the federation sides and, and the club sides um, they're also full of quality players like um, you know that we've had um, the under 17 World Cup just just passed and those girls um, coming back from India are really injecting some quality back into the, um, our sides and um, yeah yeah they're, they're good clubs and they're good sides <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's a big time for women's football here in New Zealand, though. FIFA World Cup coming to town next year. What did you make of the pool that New Zealand found themselves in? Pool A, Norway, Switzerland, the Philippines. Uh, are they a chance to get out of their group here? Yeah, absolutely. I thought the, the um, Auckland was probably a little bit woke with the draw. And, you know, FIFA is a, is a powerful beast and it's a massive event. And um, I think New Zealand's starting to wake up to it. Um, with the Ferns pulling their draw, they've pulled, I think, Absolutely, it's an opportunity to not only get their first win at a World Cup, but um, you know, head into the pool of 16. Um, and you know, what an opportunity for New Zealand to have the Ferns, you know, in, in our backyard. Um, it's going to be a fantastic occasion. Yeah, and there's some there's some seriously good teams that are coming to New Zealand as well. I saw uh, USA going to be based in New Zealand, the Netherlands as well. So a great time to be uh, a football fan, especially if you're a, a youngster growing up, hoping to one day you know be a football fern. It's it's an awesome opportunity to to see that right in front of you. The football ferns, of course, they play in Christchurch as well in a couple of weeks. How important is that to have international football on the local scene? And how special is that going to be for for a few of the Cantabs to get to play at home in front of you know family? And friends. Yeah, it's massive. Um, you know, Christchurch were unlucky to not um, get any uh, World Cup games, so I think mm. this is you know, a bit of a we're sorry, <laughs> potentially, <laughs> but yeah, two football firms games um, in a couple of weeks against Korea, which is a great, you know, a great side, great opposition to play, and the Ferns, you know, g- given the tour, sometimes there's up to seven or eight um, Cantabs in that Ferns squad, so yeah. it's going to be really special. Um, you know, it was only last year we had Ali Longo, Kate Taylor, Alyssa Wynnum, um, all playing in Christchurch. So, you know, those girls are now going to be within the Ferns shirt in Christchurch. It's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, it definitely is. And, and it'll be a really special moment for them, I'm sure. Just a little note on, on your coaching as well. I see that you're involved in the, the FIFA coaching program. There's 47 recipients from 27 countries. H- how's that been? And, and are you enjoying that? Yeah, it's been an amazing experience. Um, not only do they fund a lot, so um, they funded the A licence that I'm currently on, um, which is you know not 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 a small expense. Um, but you get set up with a, a mentor, a, an international mentor, and I was lucky enough to get um, the head coach of Poland women's team, Nina, and she's been fantastic. So we zoom every four weeks. Um, she shared a lot of amazing resource with me and um, taught me taught me a lot. Um, so hoping to meet her at the World Cup next year. She's coming over in some capacity, not with her team. Unfortunately, they didn't qualify, but, um, yeah, really looking forward to meeting her. Um, it's an amazing program. Um, yeah, so really grateful to, to be involved on it. Yeah, it sounds great. And, and look, I think the, the Canterbury Pride are really lucky to have you. I think you do a, a fabulous job with them. And just, look, a massive thanks from us for, for your time today and best of luck against Capital 2. Hopefully we see a win and plenty of goals to go with it. 
thanks very much. <laughs> well, that was Canterbury Pride head coach Alana Gunn ahead of their match against Capital in Petone. Head along if you're in the area, 2.30pm today. Time for a quick break here. Time to head around the grounds now and see what is going on in Canterbury. Of course, there's Halloween celebrations aplenty. And it's Woodford Glen's fireworks extravaganza from 6.30pm tonight. A great night out for the family. But look, if running is more your jam, no judgment there. 9am Sunday morning, it's the Boulder Bay Classic Run. Starts and finishes at Taylor's Mistake. The weather is meant to be spot on for this too. You can still get entered into that if you are keen. The Canterbury Magicians, well, they're taking on the Otago Sparks in pre-season matches at Timaru's Aorangi Oval. Uh, it's one of the best places to watch cricket, in my opinion. So if you're if you're rounded about in the area of Timaru, that's something to spend your day doing. Of course club cricket continues to roll on here in Christchurch as well. Match of the round in the men's competition, well in my opinion only. Top of the table clash, Heathcote hosting Burnside West at Heathcote Domain. And in the women's competition, well with the magicians away, the depth will of course be tested, but for that reason I'm going old boys taking on North West at Hagley Corner. Second and third in the table, plenty to play for there. And Timaru, well it's clearly the place to be. Uh, it claims to be Timaru's most epic event, the Alpine Energy Soap Box Derby starts at midday and basically you are going to see people in their homemade soapbox carts ripping around corners, avoiding the hay bales hopefully, but that promises to be, as they say, an epic event there. And we're almost two weeks out from Addington Cup week, so get yourself down to Alexandra Park or Kaikoura tomorrow to see all of the best runners and drivers in the country. Before you head down though, tune in to Trot's Talk here on SENZ with Mick Guerin and Greg O'Connor to get the inside track from 11am and just around the corner it is New Zealand's favourite race week, Addington Cup Week, November 8 and 11, on sale at addington.co.nz. It's time for Frankie's Five. Yeah, that's it. Frankie's Five, brought to you by South Island Forklifts for all your forklift needs. Well, there have been upsets galore at this current T20 World Cup, and I would bet there's more to come as well. So, today's five. It's a cricket theme again, I know, I know, but it is my favourite, so we're going with it. It's the five biggest T20 upsets. Well, number one, 2009, the Netherlands-England. Stuart Broad had to defend two off the last ball. Batter hits it straight back to him, and the Dutch, of course, they have to run. Broad's got three stumps to aim at, misses, the throw goes for overthrows as well. The Dutch scamper through for a second and the celebrations start. Number two, 2016, Afghanistan over eventual winners, the West Indies. Well, it was the West Indies' only loss of the tournament and post-match scenes were those of dancing, celebrating, but the West Indies were involved in that as well. So much so was that a massive win for Afghanistan. Chris Gale and the Windies players, they were posing for photos with the Afghanistan side who'd, who'd just spun them out and given them their first loss. Number three, well, England feature again. They've got an unwanted record of having never beaten a European team at a World Cup. Bowled out for just 88 against the Netherlands in 2014, which remains the lowest all-out score for an ICC full member against an associate. As tournament phase this year, they've just been tipped up by Ireland as well, so is there another chance for them to get on this list? Maybe, maybe still to come. Number four, Hong Kong beating Bangladesh in 2014. Bangladesh, test-playing nation with full member status, lost to Hong Kong who only have three grass pitches in the entire country. So a real David versus Goliath battle there, and on that occasion, Hong Kong managed to get up. At number five, well, I'm not sure if it's uh, what classes as one of the biggest upsets, but I get to choose, so they sneak in there. 
It's the Black Caps. It took them 11 years to win in Australia, and they finally did it. No more hometown advantage for the Aussies, and could well see them knocked out of their own home World Cup ahead of semi-finals time. Biggest upset ever? Well, maybe not, but it feels good to have that curse broken, and we absolutely smashed them. In a way, probably not even the Black Caps' biggest supporters saw coming. Just hearing how excited Ian Smith was, well, that made my day, and that's how the Black Caps end up in that top upsets. Ever, maybe, maybe not, probably a little bit of debate about it, but that's Frankie's Five for another week, and now it's time for a quick break here. Well, into the home stretch now, which of course means time for the panel. Proudly sponsored by Malray Electric, putting the spark into Canterbury Rugby. Joining me today are a couple of experts, of course, Robert Van Royen and Brendan Telfer. Welcome to you both. They're happy you could join us. Hi there. Nice to be here, Frankie. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's the answer I like to hear. Now, Brendan, I'll start with you. Crusaders this week, they named their squad for the upcoming season. Did you like what you saw? Uh, yes, I did. I think it's a very strong... In fact, I would go, well, as far as to say, without wishing to sound too outrageous, that it's the strongest squad on paper of the five, which is nothing new, I suppose. But, you know, when I just look at a potential... I mean, there's, well, five, the tight five are all all backs, and you think of a potential back line with someone like Will Jordan, uh, presumably who played fullback, Kafane and Nuku on one wing, Reese on another... Uh, in all and could do in the centres and Mollinger number 10 and I assume Willie Hines will be number 9 the uh, former English international halfback um, and you add that to the all back top uh, you know front 5 and then a very good loose forward trail as well world class loose forward trail it'll be a very good side um, that beats the Crusaders out for taking the title next year I think um, uh, whoever if the Crusaders don't get it the team that does will have to play some exceptional rugby over most of the season because I think the other factor at work here is of course Scott Robertson it's his last season with the Crusaders uh, he's got bigger fish to fry of course after the Crusaders as we know and he will want to leave on a winning note so um um, for me, even at this stage, I'd put my money on the Crusaders. Yeah, well, that's what we want to see, isn't it? We've got some serious names in that lineup, and I mean, what we all want to hear is that's the team that's going to win the title once again. But Robert, I'm interested in some of the new faces. Have the Crusaders nailed their recruiting yet again? Yeah, I think so, and I mean, I agree with what Brendan said. Uh, I, looking at the side, I'd almost argue it's also potentially better than last year's. Roster, I mean, sure, they lose Pablo Matera. I mean, there's only two changes in the forward pack, but Christian Leo really comes in. But, I mean, that, the Crusaders, back to the recruitment, have nabbed some of the best young talent in, in the country. And I'm talking uh, hooker George Bell, who did debut uh, last season when they had their COVID issues. I mean, he's been exceptional for Canterbury and New Zealand under-20s. Uh, Maka Springer, Noah Hotham, and then one name, who I'll just actually finish writing a story for, which will run this weekend, is uh, is the young pivot Taha Kamara who they've um, grabbed out of the Chiefs system? Very mm. highly talented. Mm. The Chiefs wanted mm. him. Um, couldn't make. Couldn't essentially couldn't provide the opportunity that the Crusaders can, which is game time in the next couple of years. Given they've committed to Caleb Trask coming back, so he moves down, and, and he's an exceptional young talent, and it was key getting him in next year, which. Um, to play behind Richie Moanga, sorry, or learn from Richie Moanga before he takes that Japanese sabbatical. Yeah, like it's a squad of 38, there's 13 All Blacks in it. Brendan, you listed off some of those names just a little bit earlier. 
Can we almost look at that as a slight disadvantage, perhaps, though? World Cup year, we know rest and rotation is going to play a big part. Is our depth going to be challenged, or are those young players uh, they're good enough that when they get on the park, they're, they're going to do the side well? Well, I think it's a good point that you raise, this controversial issue around rest, you know, the, the rotation and rest. Um, I think the rugby union have pulled back a little on enforcing it as harshly as they did, say, during the era of Graham Henry and possibly even Hanson. But, uh, yeah, they're going to have to rest some of these players. But there is depth there, and um, that's the key. And also, I, I notice Scott Robinson is very enthusiastic about these newcomers that he's brought in, the young guys that he's bringing in. And Robert mentioned uh, this, you know, number 10, Kamada, who the Chiefs wanted, is highly rated. So he likes the fact that um, he's got some really talented youngsters, plenty of enthusiasm. And I guess when you match that with the experience, there will always be experience there every week on that Crusader side, even if they do have to rest one or two players because of their potential all-black duties. I think there's enough experience there still to put out on the field uh, to shepherd these young guys who, if they are given the kind of protection and guidance and help from these senior players in the side, could be revelations as well. So, um, yes, it's a potential problem, but of course it'll be the same for the other four sides as well. So the Crusaders won't be at any disadvantage other than the fact that they may have more All Blacks, probably have got more All Blacks in their squad than the other four, so there'll probably be more players arrested. But um, it just depends on how, as I said, how strongly uh, the rugby union and Foster want to this idea of resting the All Blacks. I see he's not resting a hell of a lot of All Blacks this week in Japan. I see half the All Blacks have played in that test match against Australia virtually are playing this week in Japan, which surprises me a little, given what's ahead of them in Europe. Yeah, well, that actually was going to be one of my questions a little bit later on, but since you've touched on it, we'll we'll go to that. Do, do you like the look of the side to play that we've actually picked to play Japan? Should we have been rotating this side? Are there, are there players you are you're either happy to see getting a run or you think should have been getting a run? Uh, well, I'm a, a little confused, I suppose, in some ways because Foster admits that they've got a really tough schedule coming up and it's, you know, the uh, for the Rugby World Cup, so every, everyone will be looking very closely up there in the Northern Hemisphere at everything the All Blacks do. Um, and I would have thought he probably could have justifiably rested more of the frontline All Blacks that he'd used uh, in the Rugby Championship. But on the other hand, I do like what he's saying also, is that um, he wants to give these top players as much game time as he can to and I think this is one of the overlooked aspects of uh, rotation, is that when you rest and rotate players, you're depriving combinations to the top combinations of more time together on the field. And I think we saw an example of that uh, just recently with the um, Silver Ferns in Australia. They left behind one or two key players, younger players, admittedly, who shone in the first two tests, but weren't there for the, uh, the remaining two tests because Noli and Toru wanted to look at some other combinations. And sure, you can see her argument with their World Cup coming up as well, and that was Graham Henry's theory. But I, I maybe I'm old school or something. But I think if you've got a side that is working well, combinations working well, play them as much as it's humanly possible to do so, and let the rest and rotation thing uh, find its own depth when it needs to if players are injured. But um, that doesn't seem to be the way coaches think these days. If they've got a great position player in a great position. Um, they want to build strength in that position by resting the key player and putting in someone else there to try and bring them up to that level as well. But 
it's all a bit too complicated for me, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, Robert, your thoughts on, on the All Blacks for this weekend? Yeah, I mean, very similar. I probably uh, wasn't uh, overly surprised he didn't make um, as many changes as some might have thought, just given the fact that they haven't played since uh, the Rugby Championship, and there's probably going to be enough rust there as it is um, if they're going to make too many changes. I mean, especially when you're, you're going to come up with a midfield pairing, an untried one of Roger Toivasa, Sheik and Braden Enor. I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see how, how that goes. I mean, Stephen Pettifetter at fullback, I do believe if the Barretts uh, and co were available, and um, I potentially suspect maybe Mwanga wouldn't have started and maybe Pettifetter would have played at 10. So probably a few slight uh, changes that wouldn't have uh, been the case if, some, if there weren't so many players out but I mean and it, I guess we've got to remember at the start of this year Ian Foster did say that the time for uh, rotation or I guess excessive rotation and trying out too many combinations was over he needs to start settling on on guys as that World Cup quickly approaches next year. Yeah it will come around quick that's for sure. Also in rugby news up in Auckland 1A schools banning live streaming of games for 2023. I'm interested do you think Schools down south, down here, should be doing the same thing. They should be following along, or, or are we happy, Robert, to, to see these games live streamed, see them on TV? Yeah, good question. That's a very good question. Uh, I'd be I'd be surprised if they if they do it, but I'm also intrigued. Uh, it's an interesting move up there, and I, and you can I guess there's a couple of sides to the argument, and a way you can hear what they're saying. But you've got to remember that these schools that were coming out and saying that these players are being, I guess, taken advantage of in a way. You know, they've gone along with it for a long time and they're behind a lot of us. I mean, it's very, that's how a lot of these schools nab players, essentially, and lure them to their to their schools and offer scholarships. So, you know, that's been a big part of what's been going on. Whether it happens down here is definitely one to keep an eye on. It was actually one I was looking to try and get on to uh, chase up next week. Yeah, well, there's, I mean, there's some massive schoolboy rivalries, I, I suppose, especially Christchurch, Canterbury scene. You think they are some of the biggest games in the, the schoolboy rugby calendar, but is there enough, is, does the interest, Brendan, outweigh the, the potential negative, I guess, side effects that it could have on some, some of these young lads? Oh, I think the headmasters have overread this. I mean, uh, yes, so the, the big schoolboy clashes in, amongst the first 15s of the top colleges here is a big thing. They get 10,000, 15,000 people sometimes at these matches. Well, I mean, if you're going to be that sensitive exposing young uh, players to media and public exposure, you should ban spectators from coming to the grounds. And even if you have banned the television coverage and the live streaming of it, it's not going to stop the uh, Rugby League and Rugby Union scouts from rugby NRL clubs in Australia and rugby unions and super franchises uh, in New Zealand from going to these games. So why ban the television coverage? What's the Where's the value in not allowing these young players to be exposed to a wider audience. I mean, uh, I think it's unfair on the players. Uh, most of these young, talented kids want to pursue professional rugby careers or rugby league careers if the money's right. Um, and I think banning the television coverage is just negative, probably of anything counterproductive. But, you know, headmasters do seem to have a, an ability at times to be very heavy-handed with a lot of things they do. And there's another example of it, that they've um, overreacted and... Um, uh, yeah, maybe the South Island schools uh, should pick up the slack here because I'm sure Sky or whoever it is that wants to televise these matches would be keen to do so.
yeah, I'm sure there'll be plenty of debate over it to come, that's for sure. Like A little bit of uh, touch on the cricket before I have to let you two gentlemen go. Obviously, massive win for the Black Caps to start their T20 World Cup campaign off. Is that win at the start, is that enough to actually suggest, yeah, this Black Caps team is going to be there or thereabouts, Robert, when it comes to finals time? Uh, certainly good signs. I mean, as you know all too well, 2020 is such a fickle game, isn't it? And uh, it only takes one player on their day to pull up, you know, a special knock or a fine bowling performance to, to essentially win a match for a side. So, look, great signs. Uh, a real shame that the Afghanistan match was was rained off. And, and that's a very tight group, New Zealand. Isn't it? There's only, between New Zealand and the bottom side, there's only two points in it. So, and with how lousy that weather's been over in Australia, fingers crossed uh, they don't lose too many more um, matches to rain. I mean, going back to the fickle nature, I mean, look, we've seen uh, Zimbabwe's great result. We saw Ireland beat England, of course, so, and then, you know, West Indies didn't even qualify. So, look, great tournament so far, and looks like the weather forecast is good for the Black Caps Sri Lanka match. Um, but, hey, what a start that was, and, and the form that Devin Conway's in, um, and if Finn Allen can keep getting them off to those flyers, you know, how good was that seeing him take it to that, that those three Australian quicks early doors? Um, look, the, sign, the signs are very pleasing. Of course, I'm sure we all still want to see a little bit more out of Kane Williamson um, with the bat. But look, a very encouraging start and, and definitely nice to see some catches stuck too after what happened in Christchurch. Yeah, especially that specky from Glenn Phillips. Definitely some positive signs for me. But I suppose there's probably two questions around players, Brendan. Does Daryl Mitchell come straight back into that side once he is over that little uh, little finger injury that he that he picked up in that try series? And does the emergence of Finn Allen at the top maybe start signalling the end for Martin Guptill? Uh Yes, I think it does. Um, as for Daryl Mitchell, who does he replace? Yeah, well, that's the, that's the question, isn't it? Chapman probably looms as the... Chapman. Yeah, Chapman. Um, Nisham, maybe. But no, I think Nisham did enough in that match against Australia to justify his selection. I mean, I don't think you'd change a winning lineup, do you? I think they'll stay with the same lineup, and um, they could play... Because this is a key match, because it is so tight, as Robert pointed out, that every team in the group has got a point after just two rounds. And mm. so uh, there will be other upsets. We've seen them as well. Uh, couple of nights ago, uh, England took Ireland, I don't think seriously enough, bowled poorly uh, at the start of the match and Ireland grabbed the initiative and and the rain came and helped them a bit as well. Uh, And the weather might probably play a part in other matches and it's a cool thing, but the point that, the one point that that the Black Caps missed out on because of the rain, and I know that's a bit condescending saying they were taking for granted they would have beaten Afghanistan. I'm not quite saying that because they've got a very good three-pronged spin attack, um, but you would, they probably would have won that match, and that might have been just about enough to have gotten one of the two spots in their group into the, um, into the semi-finals. Now it's not so much the case, and if they get another match rained off, they could miss out because of the weather. But that's the fickle nature of uh, T20 cricket, I suppose, or uh, cricket full stop. But um, no, they can't their laurels, um, even though that was one of their best wins ever against Australia. Uh, India, I think, are coming right. Kohli, I think, is another big knock from Kohli yesterday. It's two and two or three days. So India are starting to really emerge as a team. Could be India final. I don't know. Black Caps could be, should be. Hopefully it'll be in the semi-finals. But um, I think it's come of age, actually, the T20. Up until now, 
most of us have been kind of condescending and dismissive of T20. Oh, yes, it's nice for a bit of a laugh and a bit of entertainment for an hour, an hour and a half. But um, I think a lot of uh, critics now are starting to give far more credibility to T20 because of what we've seen over the last week than we have in the past, and uh, that's a good thing. I think probably 50 over cricket might have suffered a bit of a setback this week, overtaken properly now by T20 as the second best form of international cricket. Yeah, well, when you see how close those games are and the nail biters and the upsets, it's it's what every sports fan wants to see, really. So, yeah, yeah I, I can't mm, wait to see sure. how, how it turns up. But I, I want to say a big thanks to both of you. Thank you so much for your time today. Excellent, as always. We could do this all morning, I'm sure, but the show is only, unfortunately, an hour long. So thanks very much and enjoy the rest of your weekend, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Well, that's it. That's all we have time for today. It's been a jam-packed show. Heaps of sport going on this weekend as well. The Kiwis in action as we speak. The Black Ferns, the All Blacks, the Black Caps, well, they're all on tonight. It's a sports fan's dream at the moment. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed, and we will be back same time, same place, next Saturday morning. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it, like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.